Welcome to episode 13 of the Card Chronicle podcast. I'm going to have to stop doing that intro because I forget what episode we're on every single time, but <laughs> it is episode 13. As promised, it's a uh, late Friday night pod. We're going to be publishing this uh, right when we finish, so it'll hit your, uh, your your podcast app or what have you late Friday because we are married men with young children and no friends, so we're doing this on a Friday night at about 10.40 p.m. Mike Rutherford and Danny Sennard back here with you for a second straight day. Getting you ready for Louisville, Virginia. We wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't a big-time game on Saturday. And I think that even though Virginia is having a season that, you know, by reigning national champion standards is is subpar, it's still a big game for them. It's still a big game for us for, I mean, all the obvious reasons that all of you all listening know. But we're going to talk about all that good stuff. Before we do that, hello, Dan. How are you? I'm good. Like you said, it's Friday night, just living the dad life here. Um, I will say, even though I'm being a loser tonight, uh, tomorrow we got my brother and his wife coming in town. Um, we got the four o'clock L game that I'm sure we'll, we'll head downtown to uh, a, here in Columbus, Ohio. It's called Short North. So we'll go to a bar, watch the game down there, drink a zillion beers, and then we are actually going to the Columbus Blue Jackets Colorado Avalanche game. I know that's your team, so um, yep. big big day planned for tomorrow, and I'm pretty excited about it. Shout out to uh, well, I was going to say shout out to Colin and, and Natalie, but really it's shout out to you and Colin because both of your wives are pregnant, and this is true. I mean, that's 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 danger zone scenario for both of you, but more for your wives than I think for you guys. The bar tab will not be affected too much, believe me. It'll, it'll still be similar. <laughs> All right, before we talk about the, uh, the the game tomorrow against Virginia, there's going to be a little thing that affects Louisville earlier in the day. The NCAA tournament, they do this kind of pre-selection show. This is actually the fourth straight year they've done it, and I forget about it every single year. I kind of hate it. I, I sort of miss the – like we don't need to do the college football playoff thing with the updated rankings that are a shameless ploy to get people to talk about the college football playoff. Part of what made Selection Sunday special was you never really knew what the fuck was happening before you actually saw the brackets. And now with the constant bracketology and with this show, it's I'm not going to say it's taken the magic away. It's still one of my favorite days of the year. But you feel like, like there are things that surprise you that back in the day would not have surprised you. And I don't know. It's 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 fun to talk about. It generates conversation. We write about it on SBNation.com and it, and it generates a, a decent amount of clicks. So it's something to at least discuss, especially when your team's going to be in the top 16, which Louisville will be. I think, and you can jump in if you disagree with any of this, I think that the number one seeds are probably going to be pretty straightforward when they release them tomorrow. I, I mean, Baylor's going to be, my guess, is the number one overall seed. They've got as many quad one wins as anybody in the country besides Kansas. Their only loss was the first week of the season against Washington in Alaska for some reason. No idea why they played the game there. They're going to be a one. Gonzaga's going to be a one. San Diego State, whether you like it or not, they're going to be a one. And then I think Kansas will be the fourth number one team. The issue with Louisville, I think, is going to be, like, I would be shocked if they're anywhere outside of that five through seven range. They're either going to be the, the top two seed, the second two seed, or the third two seed. They're, if you just look at the net rankings, their competition for those spots are Dayton, who they've got two quality losses, but they don't have as many quad one wins as Louisville does. Duke, who has the about the same record, a similar overall resume, but lost to Louisville on its home floor. And then when you go further down, it's Arizona, West Virginia, and, and Maryland, which got a big win over Illinois tonight. So I, I think Louisville measures out, their resume measures out favorably against all of those teams. I mean, is it safe to assume 
five, six, seven? Where do you see the cards falling tomorrow in this thing? And I guess follow-up question, do you care at all? Um, I, I think they'll be around six, seven range. I'd, this is something I used to care about. Um, like I was a huge, like wake every time Joe Lenardi released bracketology, like immediately clicked it, find out what seed we were, you know, where we're playing at, who's the one seed in our region. And then like, you just come to realize, okay, like once selection Sunday comes, like for some reason, it's usually like not e- like the way they set up the bracket is not even close to the way like any of the predictions usually come out. Like maybe the, you know, the region where they play in might be correct, but for some reason the seed seed like a little more jumbled than people predicted. But this like so far it seems like you're like usually if you're the two seed you're like oh man who's the one seed in my bracket, but the one seed seems so unintimidating right now where it's almost like. I wonder if the one seeds are like, I wonder who the two seed is in our bracket because like with us, Duke and I mean, Dayton looks pretty good. For some Mm -hmm. reason, they they just seem a little bit more formidable than the one seed, um, in my opinion. The weird thing is you've got four number one seeds that are all west of the Mississippi. And so usually when we talk about competing for for geography, for the it's like Duke versus North Carolina, who's going to be the one seed in the East region? Who gets the South? Who gets the Midwest? And this year, it's going to be kind of the opposite. The East is going to be the last region that that gets a one seed because uh, you know geographical preference is going to go to those teams out West. So, it, and then when you look at the two line, it's all teams from the Midwest or East with uh, with Kansas, Dayton, Duke, uh, Louisville, uh, and then the other teams that are in that mix. So it's just kind of a, a weird year, but. I don't know. Like you said, it doesn't really matter at this point all that much, but it will give us a nice insight into like it, it's it's nice to know if Louisville is like the number nine team out of nowhere that this game against Virginia, the second game against Virginia and the game against Florida State are all more more important than we thought they were going to be. But I don't think that's going to be that the case. I think it's going to be relatively straightforward. Can we talk really quickly before we get into Virginia? Has anybody capitalized on a situation more than Joe Lenardi capitalized on bracketology. <laughs> I mean, yeah, shout out to that guy for just pigeonholing himself in that position because uh, apparently he, he knew what the people wanted because, God, I mean, people just love bracketology. They're all about it. The amazing thing was like that that three or four year period when he first started doing it for ESPN and nobody followed suit. Like the people at CBS and the Sporting News and everywhere else, they were like, this guy, he's some kind of mad scientist. He, he's some kind of genius. He looks at the team's <laughs> records. He looks at the strength of schedule, and then he makes the bracket out. Like, why would we even try to attempt this? There's no fucking way we can replicate what this, what, what this scientist, this doctor of bracketology has been able to do. And then once one person started mimicking it, everybody started mimicking it. Now you've got 150 brackets out there. And I do love that the you know, the bracket matrix people, they've aggregated everything. So they've got every bracket that's on the internet on their website, constantly updated. And they rank who does the best every year. And every year, Joe Lenardi is like 65th out of 90 brackets and stuff. Like, yeah. he's, he's not any better at this than any one of us who has the time to look at the conference standings, pick the conference champion from those the, the one-bid leagues, and then look at the overall resumes and just plug the teams in accordingly. Like, it's not the How? hardest thing to do in the world. It's just time-consuming. How unnecessary is the Joe Lenardi bracketology bunker? Like he's like, watch. Yeah. He's like watching live games. I'm like, 
I mean, okay, I guess you could maybe watch it for, like, the eye test, but, like, his sole thing is based on, like, the results of the game. Like, he doesn't need to see, like, who got a loose ball in, like, the LaSalle-Duquesne game. I mean, for some, for, like, going in on, like, a live cam on a Joe Lenardi bunker shot, I'm like, all right, we're we're reaching here, ESPN. What if we find out, because every now and then you have those, you know, those ESPN exposés, like, people have the inside stories where they reveal – the sexual harassment that's going on there. There was that, that Dude, book that came out. Jesus. What if the bracket, what if the bracket bunker was like studio 54 and they're like, <laughs> Joe just had bitches funneling in and out of there at all hours of the night. Like this just constant drug use. Yeah. Everybody watching just, just sex everywhere. Drugs everywhere. There's the secret door over here. <laughs> yes. Big South basketball constantly streaming from ESPN plus like just, uh, I mean, th- that's, that's the dream scenario. That's what I want to happen. But, Enough. I feel like I just, I, I've, I've made it a yearly habit to crap all over Lenardi, and I feel kind of bad about it at this point. It's not his Jerry, fault. Yeah, Jerry Palm's like, yes, finally, I'm going to rise to the top. The fall of <laughs> Joe Lenardi. The palm tree. He just like has yeah. like a tree house somewhere. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't even know how we got on this, but let's talk about what people are listening uh, for us to talk about. I guess I have no idea what, what people are listening for us to talk about, but I assume if you are listening to this. You want to hear at least some discussion about this uh, this big game on Saturday, Louisville against Virginia. The cards, I guess, famously, I think it's not just a thing that Louisville Louisvillians and Louisville fans talk about. It's something that's at least somewhat known nationally. The fact that Louisville can't seem to beat this Virginia team ever, uh, unless it's a Mango Mathiang jumper with two seconds left to go in the game. So Louisville has lost nine straight games to Virginia. It's I assumed it was the active, the, the longest active losing streak that the program has. So I hit up our guy Kelly Dickey to confirm at Real Card Game on Twitter, by the way, and he did confirm nine straight games to Virginia, longest active losing streak uh, for Louisville, the second longest. There's no way you're going to get this, so I'm not even going to quiz you. It's five straight games to Center College, um, so clearly we need to get the Colonels on the schedule. But if you had to guess, because it is a team that Louisville either plays, I'm not going to give it away, it plays or did used to play fairly regularly that they have an active losing streak of four games against. Who would you guess that team is? Four games. Oh, four gosh. Games. Oh, I will say. Do you want to hit? I'll say Marquette. That's a good guess. Uh, same kind of a team cut from the same cloth. I'll, I'll say that and I'll give you one more guess. Uh, cut from the same cloth. So Who did we probably... used to lose to consistently in a, a former life? God, UNC Charlotte. They used to have <laughs> our ass. Uh, That's a Bobby, Diego Gabriel. Bobby Lutz. Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. You can you can answer. I don't got anything right now. The Georgetown Hoyas uh, beat us. Oh yeah. Great times. Currently, I mean, remember was the, the la- was the last win the game day win. Uh, no, they beat us. Remember, they, they beat us in the middle of that three-game losing streak in 2013 when we won the national title. Okay. That's we right. lost to Syracuse when we were number one. Then we lost to Georgetown um, the next game. And then we lost to, I think, Villanova to, to the, the next weekend, the three straight games. We just, for whatever reason, we could never beat Georgetown. They were really good in the regular season, always lost to a double-digit seed in the NCAA tournament. But anyway. Another, another team that plays, like, just kind of a different style. So, I guess we're seeing kind of a trend that if a team kind of has like a quirky style, I guess we have trouble with it. Yes, slow down possession-based teams, I guess. Uh, The the teams, there are five teams that have beaten us three consecutive times. 
Dayton. Remember they used to they had that weird kind of run with Brian Roberts and those guys where they beat us a few times in a row. Uh, Franklin College in Indiana, Kentucky, South Carolina, and then Alfred Holbrook, who is either like a 1930 science fiction character or a college that no longer exists. I'm not sure which, but they have three straight wins over the Louisville Cardinals. So there it is. But uh, nobody matches up with Virginia. And you and I were kind of talking about this beforehand. Everybody obviously remembers the .9 second game from the, the David Padgett season 2017-18, which basically ruined the entire year, knocked Louisville out of the NCAA tournament, broke everybody's spirits. I mean, worst regular season loss of my lifetime, and it's not close to me. I know the Duke game last year is, is right up there, but still, I think there's, a, there's a, at least for me, there's a distance between number one and number two. But you and I were talking about out of the other eight losses to Virginia since we joined the ACC, can you distinguish any of them? They all sort of feel like the same exact game to me. Yeah, I feel like every one of them started out with like Dang Adele hitting a free throw jumper. And I was like, all right, we got a shot here. And then <laughs> uh, like nothing ever happened. It was always like the game felt close to the beginning and there was like glimmers of hope. And then at the end, you know, it just seemed like big three after big three. And it just seemed like every single game went that way. That's kind of how it feels. They sort of have followed one of two paths, either like we jump out and we look good, kind of like both games last year, we played pretty well early, I think. I know the game down there in Charlottesville, we actually uh, were up and, and right there the entire time. But usually, either like that happens or we have 12 points with one minute to go in the first half and we're getting our asses kicked and then kind of make a little bit of a run in the second half. The only other two games that I like have definitive memories of, the VJ King game where he started, <laughs> yeah. he, scored, he scored like 23 points and we were up at halftime. I think Ryan McMahon actually hit a three right before the halftime buzzer, and we're feeling good. And then I think we got outscored by 75 in the second half, and, and that was that. It was down there in Charlottesville. And then I remember the, the ACC tournament game, which was right after. And I don't think that because it was only a week after the .9 seconds game had happened, I don't know if Louisville fans have ever had less faith in a conference tournament game in the history. Like, doesn't matter if it was the, the awful last year under Denny, the year in 98 where we only won 12 games. Like, we had just beaten... We beat the shit out of Florida State, who ended up being a tournament team that went to the Sweet 16, and nobody had any faith in our ability wasn't to win it, that game. Wasn't, it kind of, wasn't the Virginia game close for a half? Uh, no, we made a run in the Kirk second first? half. We okay, made a run yeah. in the second half. Uh, Jordan came in and actually like went nuts out of nowhere, and then you know, the order kind of restored itself, and I think they ended up winning by 9 or 10. But outside of those games, every game against these guys just feels like the same root canal, just the, the same brutal, brutal we can't score, they're kind of playing okay, and then they just grind away and, and, and pull away late. But I don't know. As frustrating as these games, I ask you this question, because I feel like I'm in the minority of Louisville fans, so I'll get your thoughts. Like, do you hate Virginia? Uh, do I hate Virginia? I, I like Tony Bennett as a person. I cannot stand the style of basketball that they play. Like, I was thinking about this. Would you want Tony Bennett as the head coach at Louisville? And, I mean, this is a national championship coach, but is that the style that you would want in your, like, for the team that, like, you know, you pretty much, like, live for? I feel like this question comes up every single year. Um, it, it, it's some In some form, people will ask this. And my answer is always the same. If if, I, if I'm picking and choosing between winning at a really high level where my team scores a bunch of points and where it doesn't score a whole bunch of points, obviously I'm going to pick scoring a whole bunch of points. But what it comes down to is 
if you can guarantee that Tony Bennett would have the same level of success at Louisville, that, and again, we're living in a world where Chris Mack has suddenly just disappeared or you know fallen off the face of the right. earth, and you, you've got to find a replacement. I just want to win. Like, I, I would rather win it with Tony Bennett style than play up and down and, you know, yeah, I mean, God, crap out the three sixteen every year. Uh, and I've, you know, I obviously watch Virginia when they play us, and obviously they've been good the past couple of years. So I, I've watched a decent amount of their games, and God, it, just on the offensive end, it is just, I mean, it's the cliche saying, but it's just like it's like pulling teeth sometimes. It's, I mean, like, and he's developed like pro players. I mean, Ty wow. Jerome, DeAndre Hunter uh Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon so I mean like he definitely develops talent um it's just they play just such a slow style for me it would be hard to get juiced up but I mean you can't argue the wins with the guy so no I I don't hate Virginia I just really would prefer to watch another style of basketball it's hard for me to hate them like it's I hate them when we're playing because inevitably a few of their asshole fans, like every fan base, will get on Twitter and they'll say stuff and it will get annoying. But like the, the Virginia people who I know, like I work with, uh, with Caroline Darney, who's probably listening to this, and she is one of the nicest people I've ever known in my entire life. She's awesome. She does a fantastic job. And she is a diehard like Virginia fanatic. Um, Lachlan McLean, I, I know a lot of people probably don't like his, his radio persona. I love Locke. I think he's an awesome guy. Um, he's a really, really good person in quote-unquote real life. Like the Virginia people I know – I enjoy them. I'm with you. Like Tony Bennett, he's impossible to dislike. He's, first of all, he's, he's really handsome. My wife's obsessed with him. I, I'm fine with that. I, I totally understand. He comes off as the guy who does everything the right way. When you talk to college basketball people who have no problem gossiping about all sorts of coaches, they all say the exact same thing about Tony Bennett. They all love him. They all respect him. They all think he's the, uh, the, the real deal, the genuine commodity. And shit, dude, he, he gave back his pay rate to the rest of the athletic department after winning a national title. Like, yeah. I mean, what, and then like Ty Jerome going on Mike Francesca's show and roasting him was, I thought that was awesome. They've had a really lo- a lot of likable players outside of the boring style and them kicking our ass every year. There's not a whole lot to dislike about Virginia, at least to me. I know that everybody finds their reasons and I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are fans of Virginia that aren't awesome. But as far as like me being an outsider and just having that peripheral vision, it's hard to dislike them. I mean, Tony Bennett, this is, I mean, he's got X's and O's, national championship. I mean, we know the guy can coach, but this was like my personal thing where I was like, God, I mean, it's not even that big of a deal, but the Darius Perry 0.9 second foul, which we all don't want to talk about. I get it. It was the worst game ever. So when that happened, whoever he fouled, it might've been Ty Jerome. I can't remember. It was. So Jerome hits the free throws. And I believe they called timeout after that, or there was a pause in the action. I can't remember. I think they called timeout. So when they're coming out of the timeout or the pause in the action to review something, I don't remember what happened. Dangadell is getting ready to take the ball. And I was sitting there watching Tony Bennett, and he pulls the ref over to the side, Mm -hmm. and he, he takes his hand and moves it back and forth. And I literally turned to my friend next to me. I go, Oh, God. I was like, dang, has no idea that he can't run the baseline here. And the second the whistle blew through the ball and dang just shuffled his feet left and right and the ref called the walk. I was like, God, what like what a call by Bennett just to, like make sure he got the ref's attention to point that out like immediately. 
And then obviously, you know, the worst dagger three in the entire universe after that. Every time I think about Tony Bennett, I think about the scene from Forgetting Sarah Marshall where <laughs> where they're in the water and Russell Brand's character is talking about how he's listening to the dude's music. And he's like, it's like you're sort of like a gothic Neil Diamond. He's like, that's exactly what I'm going for. And then there's the pause. He's like, fuck, you're cool. And he's like, it's so hard for me yeah. to say because in so many ways I hate you. Like, that's that's how I feel about Tony Bennett. I wish I could hate him. I wish he was more of an asshole. It would make this whole thing uh, a lot easier. But he's, I mean, for as good as Tony Bennett is and for as consistent as this program has been, they're in real danger right now of becoming the first reigning national champion to miss the NCAA tournament since UConn did it back in 2015. Um, I mean, they're number 57 in the net. And they're not a really hard team to talk about because it's, it's the, the simplest you know, unbalanced team you've ever seen in your entire life. They are the best defensive team in the country by a wide margin. It's not even close with them and the rest of the field on Ken Palm. They're one of the best defensive teams we've seen in the Ken Palm era, which dates back to, I think, 2001. They are one of the worst offenses in the history of the ACC, and that's not hyperbole. They are uh, atrocious. They're 348th in the country in points per game. They're 347th in the country in three-point percentage. It's a terrible offensive team, and they are... I thought this was an interesting set. No team with a sub 200 offense on Ken Palm has ever gotten an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. They're 278 right now. I mean, awful offense, incredible defense, and the result is sort of the mixed bag that you have for this team. So I guess with all this being the case, what's your uh, what's your concern level with this game tomorrow? Listen, Vegas opens the line at eight. I don't care, Virginia. 350th and points you know i don't care all all i think about is the style of play and they have tony bennett on the sidelines like that's i i i still am nervous about this game i really am i just you know and it's probably just my brain being trained to you know look at all these past virginia games and i know on paper this should be a game where i feel like we should take care of business and I think it would if we did it would it would prove a lot, um, but I just uh, if if you're a Cards fan and you're like you know this Virginia team's trash this year we should wipe the floor with them like great that's awesome you have that mindset I just personally can't get into that mindset I'm I'm pretty nervous for this game, I'm, and it also it doesn't help that we're catching them at when they're playing arguably their best basketball of the season which of course like we we play them twice we right. get the first game in january they've won three straight it's the first time they've won three straight since they opened the season four and oh um and the wins wake and clemson you know say what you will they beat wake on the road by two they beat clemson uh, earlier this week by seven at home but then sandwiched in between there they beat florida state at home the same fsu team that came to our place and beat us by 13 so it's not like they've beaten nobody's and their only loss uh Five games was a two-point loss to, to NC State. So they're pretty clearly the fourth-best team in the ACC right now. That doesn't mean that they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, but they're playing pretty well. And, and like you said, anytime a team's beaten you nine straight over such a short period of time, it's going to get in your head a little bit. And here's last piece of trivia for you. We've played them 11 times since we've been in the ACC. How many times do you think we've scored at least 60 points against them? Oh, God. Um, I will say four, three. We have in eight of the eleven games they've held us to fifty-nine points or fewer, which is just uh just just kind of a crazy deal. But this year's team, 
I, I don't know. I mean, again, when you look at this on paper, Virginia, like they always do, they force teams to take shots from the outside. I think they're forcing opponents to take 44% of their, uh, of their shots from three-point, and they're limiting those shots to 27.8%. But then on the other hand, we're the number four three-point shooting team in the country, and we're shooting 45.8% from three over our last 10 games. We were 14 of 28 against Wake. You know, theoretically, the style of play this year for Virginia plays right into our hands. But I'm kind of with you. Like, like if we're ranking this one to ten fear level, I'm kind of at like a like a six point five seven sort of. Is that fair? Yeah. And for me, if if we're talking keys of the game, and this is, I mean, you, you can expand on this if if you got some. I think shot selection is going to be really key. I mean, this is not a team that you want to go down and take an early contested jump shot against. You're just playing right into their hands. So I think shot selection is key. And also Virginia, and I haven't looked at the step. I know their past teams did a really good job of not fouling and not sending their teams to the free throw line. If we can somehow get to the line, I think that would be great um, to just kind of get some of those easy points on the board for us. I, you know, defensively, I'm honestly, this will probably come back to bite me because I know like Braxton Key hit like four three pointers last game after shooting like 16% all year, but I'm I'm really not worried defensively about us. Uh, even though last game we looked a little shaky, um, I just think, yeah, shot selection for me that that's going to be a big key for us. I thought it was interesting, like like because I agree with you about the shot selection, but I don't necessarily agree that like early in the sh- in the possession shots are, are necessarily a terrible thing. And Chris Mack during his press conference today talked about the fact that in both games last year, we got decent looks uh, against them on tra- in transition, which is something like pack line principles. If you look at any sort of website or, or, or playbook that outlines what the pack line is supposed to do, one of the main things is they don't allow anything in transition. The, the second a shot goes up, they don't care about offensive rebounding. Everybody on the back of that offense, they sprint back to the other end. They're not going to let you get chances. We did a pretty good job of getting looks that way last year. And Chris Mack said, yeah, we're going to try to do that again. And he said, what it comes down to for us is finding the right shot. And whether that comes one second into a possession or with one second left in the possession, we've just got to make sure that we take it. If you have an open look, you need to step into it without hesitation. We can't do the thing where we're just kind of you know, dilly-dallying around the perimeter and just throwing a bunch of worthless passes or dribbling the air out of the ball and not really accomplishing anything. We've got to, because we've. I feel like we've come out against Virginia, even if you go back to the Rick Pitino years, and had good game plans and had the right idea, but the second that, like, we're not able to maintain that mindset for 40 minutes. And it's a team where if they frustrate you a couple of possessions in a row, you panic and you get away from what you're doing and you start forcing stuff. And we've seen Louisville do that against other teams so far this year. And I think that's my biggest concern is we come out, we play well, we knock down a bunch of shots, we build a decent lead, and then they start getting in our heads a little bit. We start missing some shots and all of a sudden Jordan's going back to the, I'm taking contested fall away 20 footers early in a possession for no reason. And Darius is rushing stuff. Ryan's not hitting for whatever reason. I think that's my only concern is that we don't, we don't trust our game plan for a full 40 minutes. Yeah. And Virginia's they're one of the best teams that on the defensive end of like making you think that, you can thread the needle on that pass or making you think that totally. like you might have room on that shot to where when you actually play them, you're like, Oh, there's, you know, another deflected, uh, you know, another deflected pass oh, a block shot. Like, you know, so, it, you know, hopefully we come out with that mindset, like, Hey, you know, 
this team's different. We just have to be extra careful and extra selective on, you know, making sure that we're making the right pass and taking the right shot. No, I 100% agree. They, they will try to goad you into thinking there's something there when there's absolutely not. And that's kind of that. So uh, I guess before we get out of here, we said it was going to be a short pod. We're holding it to it, uh, holding ourselves to it. Do you have a, like an overall prediction for this game? I will say just because, I, I mean, gosh, I, I just think we're due for a win against them. Um, I will say we win God, 62 to 58. That's my prediction. I like it. I, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be relatively close. I think we control things for mo- for the most part. I think we score. I'll say we score 65. I think Louisville wins 65. 57 something along those lines i feel pretty confident about this game which is you know famous last words but look forget about the virginia mystique forget about the style of play forget about the whatever mental edge they may have if we can't beat a team that on paper we are clearly better than and whose style shouldn't disrupt us all that much then you know what are we doing here like like hopefully we would get them back in charlottesville but like i think that this is the year that we definitely win one out of two hopefully we win uh, two out of three, and then who knows? Like if we're the one seed and they're the four seed, we could see these guys again in the ACC tournament. But I feel yeah. pretty good about this. La- last question: Is there a guy on their team that that scares you? Uh, more like Casey Morsel, probably because he's that kind of fringe guy who doesn't do a whole lot, but when he does do something, it's beyond the arc a little bit. Um, the, I mean, I for I don't some think reason I, for me, go for it. And he's had a disappointing year. I thought this guy was going to end up being a monster. A Jay Jay Huff. Huff. He's had a couple games where he's scored like around like 17, 18, but real down year. And like he showed flashes of being really good. So he's the one guy that still kind of gives me, you know, the willies a little bit. That's a safe pick because, I mean, he was really good against us last year and like you said, hasn't made quite the leap, but he seems like that type of guy who, when he has a breakout performance, it's 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 fucking going to come against us. There's no question about it. So uh, we urge you guys to go subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a, uh, a nice review on iTunes or Apple Pod or wherever you get your, your podcast. And to encourage you to do so, we always read a couple of the new reviews at the end of the show. We'll go to uh, iTunes music reviewer who says, this is the best college hoops pod. Mike is the man. Love the cards talk. Radio is for retirees and truckers anyway. Um, let's see. He's a Vikings fan. Dumpster Dan turns into you know Dan with a few drinks. But in all seriousness, great podcast. I listen every morning on my way to work. You've cut down on the you knows recently. Yeah, I've I've tried. I, I definitely I recognize I have a problem with it, and I'm working on rectifying it. Um, last one, Oregon Card says, I love everything about the pod especially Dumpster Dan's pronunciation of certain words. So there you go. Dumpster Dan, the fan base continues to grow. Not an English major. I'll admit it. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Let's get this thing done um, tomorrow, or I guess today, if you're listening to this on Saturday. Go Cards. Beat Virginia. We'll be talking to you guys soon. Let's go.